you know, how long, how long you can sit in a bath full of baked beans, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, no, there's point to that, David. <laughs> that's, that's just heroic. Heroic. Yes. Welcome to Cloud Realities, live from Google Next 2023, where a conversation show exploring the practical and exciting alternate realities that can be unleashed through cloud-driven transformation. I'm Dave Chapman. And I'm Rob Kernan. And Rob, it's our last show. Very sad. It's come around fast. It has come around very but it's, fast. It's both come around fast and felt like an eternity <laughs> at the same time. I don't know about you. I can't remember where I live. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Remember what your wife looks like. <laughs> yeah, no. Do I have a family? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember how many kids I've got. <laughs> no. But it has been good. Sad it's the last podcast. Mm. But um, yeah, it's, it's we'll go out a, with a bang. It's been a journey. It has. There's been lots of experiences on the way through. I'm just hoping my go-home travel arrangements do not mirror that which got me here. Well, I'm travelling with you on the way <laughs> home, are. so I, d I deeply hope you are right. <laughs> Oh, no, I did. I did. I'm not going to name the airline, but I did spend my time doing my complaints registration earlier. I had six individual complaints on the same thing. <laughs> I think that's probably like, a new record. I know, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> they, they, they'll receive that in their call site and they'll be like, There's, we haven't had one like this before. <laughs> there'll be a picture of you on the wall. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, look, it is the last show, and we're going to come around at the end with some, uh, some additional guests and some friends who are going to give their views on, uh, on what the last few days have been like so we get a broader perspective. But before that, and joining us uh, here on the show, is Hen Goldberg, the VP and GM of Kubernetes and Serverless at uh, Google Cloud. Hen, it's so nice to see you, and thank you so much for making the time. Thank you so much for having me. Brilliant to see you. Well, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? And obviously, you have got quite the day job. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how long you've been doing that and what, what journey you've been on with it? So starting with Google, uh, I joined Google about eight years ago. Uh, to lead the Kubernetes team. Right. Uh, at the beginning, it was uh, mostly, I would say, engineering-led mm. uh, initiative. Uh, and really, ever since, it's been an amazing journey. To Our goal from the get-go was to make sure that we are not building something like a niche platform. Right, right. So how can it be applicable for more workload and really have the impact we thought it can have? Uh, so we've been investing in uh, a lot of things. So not just scale and orchestration, but also user experience and developer experience and ecosystem and mm. uh, quality. So that has been an amazing uh, journey. And before that, uh, I've done a lot of things. And I think that's also what contributes to my unique perspective. I started my career in the Israeli army. Right, right. Uh, wow. So what, what were you doing there? I was leading a, a department in the IT organization. Right. So right, wearing right, right. a pager. Oh yeah, we've all done that. I hope we have not all done that because it's not so fun. That's <laughs> that is true. I was never the I was never the big fan of like the three a.m. meetings when the servers uh, went down. IT opera uh, IT operations you can never win because if it's perfect, everybody says, "Well, that's your job." And when it goes wrong, they go, "What are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> yes, and when it's perfect, like, why do you need right. all these people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yes. wait till 3 a.m. and then you'll be glad they're right. around. Yeah. Um, and then I, um, I did a short stint with professional services and then joined HP, mm. uh, building enterprise software. So really going, you know, 
thinking about our customers, seeing it from all perspective. Right, right. Uh, and that's where I felt that cloud and mm. containers is probably the tech stack I was waiting for as a leader. So, so at the time you took on the Kubernetes team, it, it probably wasn't that old at that point, right? What, two or three years maybe? Uh, it was probably two years max. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Sounds about right. So as you so as you inherited it, it was predominantly like very engineering centric by the sounds of it. You see, people can't see because there is no video, but I'm smiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in essence, it was first of all, I think the team was on the edge of burning out completely. Right. Right. Because Kubernetes started to take off and open source. It, it was it was huge almost overnight. Conceptually, it's, it felt like that anyway. It felt like that, uh, but then it even became bigger. Right, <laughs> Which right. We, we didn't expect uh, as quickly. Uh, but doing that transition from uh, technology to something that is valuable for everyone. Right, a pro like a fully fledged product. I think that, like, I feel like that's been uh, one of my contributions hmm. to the project. Uh, really bringing product management. Right. Uh, skills to how to manage that, working with customers, uh, iteration, quality and testing. Right. <laughs> you actually do that. And we actually do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff. Uh, good and stuff. we've been doing it both in open source and, of course, with our product, Google mm. Kubernetes Engine. Right. And uh, I, I wanted to talk to you uh, about what you think cloud nativeness is. And the, the reason I want to kick off our conversation with that is because often you, you can ask people about what what people think cloud native is and and often you get just a very technically centric answer particularly if you've asked an engineer but but often what comes back are, are things like kubernetes as a as a core cloud native technology so for somebody who's actually driving kubernetes what's your definition of cloud native so maybe i will start with a story yeah uh, back uh, early in my career i was responsible of building a, a pez like environment Pez, the, uh, the little suite, uh, the little suite, no. no? Platform as a service. Oh, I see. Paz David. Yeah, yeah. Pez. <laughs> uh, for uh, mainframe engineers. So All right. Now you can do some, maybe some math, but yeah. uh, building in COBOL and, and so on. Uh, and we had an amazing platform. Mm, mm. Okay, and people could develop applications like literally in minutes. Right. Uh, but then there were some new technologies a new development, and then everything that was a little bit outside of that pattern mm. was mm. actually really hard yeah. to achieve. And what I like mm. about cloud native, uh, first of all, you know, think about containers and microservices. So being able to build small pieces, and which also makes it modular, and provide flexibility. Mm. So mm. that's one. The second thing is the elasticity, right, that you don't have to plan for everything. All right ahead of time um, and last but not least one of the things that I think you know and, and really by the way giving credit to companies like Docker Inc with Docker project so thinking about the container mm. uh, I think what they've made back then is making that technology which was not new right. really accessible mm -hmm. and what we all work together is building an ecosystem a community that made it makes it better right. um, which again comes back to speed of innovation and, and flexibility. Uh, so this is a little bit from a technology perspective. When you ask customers, hmm. and by the way, it's not matter if it's like a bank or if it's a, you know, yesterday I had on stage 
um, Laura from Ervis Bank and I had Cameron from uh, Snap and Basil from Uploving, yeah. like three different profile of companies. The only thing they all care about is how quickly they can innovate. Right, yeah. right. Adaptability and innovation to me feel like, you know, when people talk about digital transformation, that's, that's at the heart of it for me, is like if, if you get to the end of whatever transformation that you have done, irrespective of your tech stack, irrespective of the, the products that you provide as a business, if you have not become more adaptable and can move faster to respond to your market, you're still not going to be acting like a digital company. Yes, and it's really, it's critical for anyone to compete mm -hmm. and innovate. And I will say also, my philosophy, people are saying, hey, Ken, what's your strategy for the next four or five years and so on? I think... Have uh, you looked at my question sheet, Ken? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm coming to that. <laughs> okay, so maybe I can answer now. Yeah, yeah. I think that as humans, we're actually not that good at predicting the future. Yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> There's been quite a lot of proof of that exact yeah, yeah, point yeah. in the last few years. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's why experiments and iterations are super important. Right. And also listening uh, to what's happening. There's a really great, I bang on about this a lot, so Rob might groan in the background, but there's a fantastic um, framework that helps with that called the Kinefin framework. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. So very, very briefly, uh, it's like a Boston grid, so it's like a two by two. And effectively, it splits the world into, into two different types of world, a world of order and a world of chaos. And in the world of order, you've got order itself and complicated. And those are um, uh, worlds where Unknown unknowns are, predictable, are relatively low. Yep. You understand the risks and how to manage the risks. So therefore, in the world of order, you can have complete repeatability, like a contact center. Or in the world of complicated, you might be doing something vastly difficult, like building this conference center, but, it, but we understand structural mechanics, we understand you know, geology, mm -hmm. we know how to build. So you know, give or take 15%, you're gonna, you're gonna basically, basically hit that on time three years out from now. So predictability effectively. In the world of chaos, you've got chaos itself, which is like the world going into COVID, like nobody knew what was going on. So like every hour, somebody was making a bad call about something. And then the final up, you know, kind of upper left quadrant is complexity, which is um, you've got much shorter cycles and the cycles are driven by listening mm -hmm. and they're driven by talking to your market. So, so in my, it really resonated with what, what you said, because in my mind, most organizations that are in the legacy space work in a complicated way. Annual planning cycles, you know, we're gonna do this no matter what our market tells us to do practically. But shifting into a complex way of thinking, that's digital transformation to me. That's a, that's a great framework. Um, I think this, you know, if you do it right, uh, it helps you take risks hmm. Hmm. because it's all about risk. It it, it's, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. But you're iterating through them trying, yeah. rather than trying to randomly well, plan the, them. The short cycle inherently reduces risk because your investment in that cycle is small. Therefore, if something goes wrong, you learn for it and move on. Yeah, yeah. and right. I love, I love it. So actually, that's part of like when I talk with customers, that's exactly what I'm trying to convey, hmm. like to help them understand what's that barrier to entry and what is the risk. Like, yeah. what happens if it goes wrong? Right. Right. Uh, by the way, I also use it with my own team, like, you know, when we went through this journey. So, by the way, today I'm responsible for all Kubernetes and serverless uh, within Google Cloud. And 
you know, you just keep thinking about like I, I even tell my kid like the only thing that it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a little bit of a freeing uh, yeah, thought. Right. Okay, right. like what's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the chances are it's going to be less worse than the end of the world. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And generally speaking, I'm, I'm usually an optimistic. Right. So I always plan for success. Yeah. That's much nicer. Very cool. Talking of which, talking of which, coming back to the conference, what, do, what have you and your team been talking about at the conference and what, what, what's particularly exciting to you? This is, for me, this next, first of all, it's amazing to be back. Hmm. Okay, the last time I was speaking at Google Next was 2019. Right. Uh, and you can feel the energy yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in the room. Um, my team is here working with customers. And for me, this, uh, together, by the way, with uh, the excitement around the opportunity to generative AI, I see customers everywhere are really leaning in mm. to modern environments and making a decision that moving to the cloud, like you said, like it's, it's a must. Right. Right. Uh, and what we've been working on is making sure that our products are one applicable for more use cases, but also to the point before our uh, helping customers take risk maybe from their land. So how can we reduce the barrier to entry? Mm. So for one example, uh, we've uh, announced a new edition of a GKE, Google Kubernetes Engine, the enterprise edition. And what it does, it really helps companies bring their mission critical workloads. And we see data that shows that customers are planning to use uh, to run many more. So 90% of customers are planning to run containerized applications in production mm. by 2027. It's huge uh, increase from 2021, which was only 40%. Right, right. What do, what is, what's your read on what's driving that? Is that is that because you've 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 now introduced some functionality or security measures or something like that that gives more confidence or is it just, you know, we, so we're just... So this is a journey. Yeah. I, I mean, people ask me, so how long have you been working on that? And I'm like, mm. well, actually, probably 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a journey, uh, meaning lots of the, the things, you know, we made a platform more reliable and, and, and so on, but then we have those platform teams that want to empower their development teams. So mm. they have now new requirements. So we're talking about self-service experience. Right. Which again, is not a new experience, but now bringing that thing that people are used to uh, at scale to a cloud native environment uh, is important. So that's one thing. The second thing that we are really investing in is surprise, surprise, Gen AI. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you if you'd noticed that it gets mentioned at the conference <laughs> quite a bit. Had you noticed? I have noticed, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, but this is, you know, for Google Cloud, it's an exciting time from that yeah. perspective. Yeah. I think, you know, in previous years, definitely we are known for uh, being a container-first cloud. Mm. But mm. we are also known for our expertise in uh, AI, NML, lots of the research, yeah. of course, that has brought all of those uh, solutions now into market is actually origin with Google research. Right, right. Uh, so this is very exciting, uh, specifically, can I go a little bit techy? You certainly can. Yeah. Yes. Can't promise to understand it. Okay. Rob, you might be on this one, Rob. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll pretend to understand this <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. No, please do check. Please yeah. do. Uh, I feel like there is some characteristics of cloud native. How mm -hmm. did you say it? Cloud nativeness. Cloud nativeness. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that really fits the use cases of generative AI. Uh, 
first of all, uh, the experiments. Mm. Right? You have to move fast, and you can move fast. Uh, scale is critical. Right. Uh, not only right, when you, some of those models, when you need to train them, they actually are, do not fit a single node or a single machine. Mm. Mm. So managing those workloads at scale is becoming critical. And then when you think about serving, then how do you scale up and scale down? based on demand, those are really expensive. Right, right. Resources, you don't want to over-provision. No, right. So that sweet spot, like what we are seeing is, and it was interesting, just before Next, we, we said, okay, let's let's look like who is doing what on, on, on our fleet. And we found that there are top 15 customers of GKE are already running AI workloads on GKE. Is that right? So that's amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think when you go back to your comment about the pager and IT ops, think think back then the technology you had to be able to achieve your goal and what is coming out of the technology now and the freedom you get because it's taken care of, you can scale quickly, it's easy to deploy, software life cycles are much simpler. Can you imagine that if somebody had told you when you were doing the IT ops job that was the world that was going to be, be very exciting future. Uh, and, and to be clear, we carry the pager. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there is a lot of automation. You know, one of my, uh, my favorite stories, uh, that's not nice to say, because it starts with the passing of the queen right. <laughs> uh, in September 22. Uh, but luckily, the BBC team actually uh, re-architected uh, their platform on top of a serverless solution, Cloud Run. Is that right? And, and that was what for, so they could handle the higher workloads that yes. were going to be driven by that event. Uh, and of course, no one knew that that would happen. And mm. in a, in a single minute, they saw a spike change from usually the 50 to 100 container instances to 1,000. Wow, wow. Almost a tenfold increase, basically. And the infrastructure just scaled up. Mm. There's a happy architect somewhere at the end of that story. And that I talked with him. And I talked with him. And you know, like it's it's his story to tell. But he said, like, hey, I was sitting with my kid, and then you know the phone goes up, and then I look at my dashboard and. Yeah. I can continue and play with my kid. Yeah, yeah, sad the Queen's died, but look at what my architecture just achieved. <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, you were talking about AI there and, and, and how AI workloads are running on top of your product set. What are, you, what are you guys doing with AI inside your product set? Have you got to that yet, or is there an application of it? Of course. So first of all, I think that one of the things that is really is a no-brainer, mm. and we've been doing it internally with Google, is how AI can help productivity. Right. Starting with developers. There are some things, you know, as a developer, as engineers that we are doing, um, that is a little bit busy work. Like, you know, we are looking for examples, yeah. And, yeah. and we can have that. And, and within Google Cloud, we call it Duet AI. Mm. Hmm. That peer programmer, that assistant that really suggests things for you and, and make things uh, simpler. One of the things that I'm super excited about, uh, and it's not my team, but definitely a user, we've uh, introduced a lot of uh, improvement in workspace. Mm -hmm. How often does it get happen to you that you get an email with like 20 replies and threads? Oh, it's chaos, <laughs> isn't it? And imagine you'll just get a summary at the top. Yeah. That would be, that would be great, wouldn't it? And, and like, yes. Particularly on, particularly on modern productivity suites, Rob. <laughs> this is true, David. This yeah. is, I, yeah, yeah, I, is there I, a I private joke fan. here? Yeah, no, Rob, Rob, <laughs> Rob, Rob is really struggling to get his head around G Suite. 
and Google Workspaces. I must learn. I must okay. learn. I'm very excited about Duet AI, actually, because the whole... We, 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 mentioned it in the last podcast but the concept of not having to attend a meeting and it tells me what happened I got so excited <laughs> it's like unusually excited we, we were yes we were thinking about that as well um, but I think that there is a lot of uh, value in that like one of oh, the things geez. that we've shown in the demo uh, when we have like for example incident management mm. internally at Google so you know Fox will just record everything that happened Right. Yeah, and then right. I come in and I really try to understand like what happened, and I have to go and scroll and, and I think it's going to be really helpful uh, to summarize things. I, getting action items. How many times have you been to meetings that nobody sent a summary? No, right, oh, right. Yeah, no, no. Or, or people do send a summary and it's it's hopelessly worded. It actually doesn't reflect what went on at the meeting particularly, you know, because they've maybe waited a couple of days, gone to their notes, can't read their notes. <laughs> then it, it comes back and something's like, I don't recognize this meeting. Well, the, uh, it's the corporate crime of the century. Somebody sends you an email, it's 30 emails long, and they say, what do you think of this? Yeah. And you've got to try and decipher it. It's just like, this isn't good. No, it's a half a day's work. <laughs> AI, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ding, ding. No, so more of that. Yeah, but, and we, we're seeing a lot of, again, AI is not new. You were asking what we've been doing. So yeah. we've been doing internally with, within our products, uh, we've been using AI for a long time for recommendations uh, and so on, but now uh, we have an opportunity um, to achieve that, I would say, faster. Mm, mm. Uh, so one of the things that we've been doing, we've been uh, training our uh, uh, large language models, LLM, on our own internal data right. and code base, right. and then you know the answers are better, higher quality, and it gives you an opportunity to experiment with things more. Mm. Well, um, I want to um, return us to one of the themes that we talked about at the beginning of our conversation uh, by way of maybe bringing it to a bit of a conclusion. I want to return back to cloud nativeness, but maybe come at it from a, from a different perspective and come at it from the cultural perspective. Um, because for me, when I'm asked to define cloud native, I, I, I always describe it with a number of different elements. So obviously the tech stack, but just as important are things like ways of working, culture, you know, the, the human aspects of cloud native. So what do you think when you think about the human aspects of cloud native and how does that, how does that distinguish itself from uh, more legacy thinking? I, it's, it's interesting because I just came out from a customer meeting hmm. and most of the time we spend talking about the people. Right, hmm. right. Um, because this is a, it's, it's a big transformation Absolutely. Uh, for the entire organization, yeah. uh, in some sense, you know, not everybody want to let go of the pager. Mm -hmm. That's right. As one example, uh, or lose maybe the things that made them successful uh, in the past. Uh, and there's also a lot of concerns. Mm. You know, the thing that I take care of, like how can I trust uh, uh, someone else to do the work? So that's one aspect of the people and skills. The second thing. It's really what you, you, we talked about at the beginning of experiments and mm. doing things with uncertainty mm. Mm. Uh, and being agile, right? When we talk about software development, we talk about the difference between waterfall mm. method mm. Uh, and being agile, which is very different very with how the so. team uh, operates. Where I've seen most success, uh, one, and it, okay, it depends how scale, like you can always do it with small teams. Sure. Yeah. But if you want to scale it within a large yeah, so organization, do it at like an enterprise level. You have to have uh, the leadership team uh, commitment 
and engagement towards that. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy always. So, I, you know, what I hear from what I see is that a lot of time if you can show the impact it will have on the business and what's possible, that's where we see success. So that's one. The second thing is, um, I think we need to spend time of training people and showing what's possible. It's actually not easy to yeah, learn to new stuff. Yeah, to transition in that way. Yeah, right. I think there's a big part in there which is seeing is believing. And once you've lived the experience, there's this aha moment that goes on about, oh, okay, it does work. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. You have to almost be in the uh, in the melee to understand the, well, if, the benefit. If, you, if you've spent your entire career being trained in annual planning and being able to accurately predict what you're doing 12 or 18 months out, and then somebody comes to you and goes, yeah, that's important, but actually we're going to focus on the next three months and iterate between now and the next three months. And we might go somewhere completely different between now and the end of the year. It, it blows their mind. You know, they might not declare that, but it actually blows their mind because it's like, well, that means I'm not going to have delivered anything, right? You know, so it, it, it's, it's such a huge leap for some people, I think. Um, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, there's an opportunity to introduce some new language of how to think about it because you actually do achieve, you achieve learnings. Mm. So within our team, we talk about time to learn, right? right? And how right. we optimize for that. And we talk about hypotheses that we have and what kind of signals we want to see. Because mm. by the way, if it's not about not planning, to that's, be clear. That's, that's right. Uh, not about, it, it is about being strategic. You are going well, to be strategic. Well, uh, remember, the, it, yeah, I think you may hear it less these days, at least I hope you do. But there was a period when Agile just launched that everybody thought it was just a random free-for-all. <laughs> you know, it's just like, no, it's just, a, it's a different way of Sometimes working. Sometimes, David, it still is. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, badly yeah. done agile. Remember the theme park? Yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> None of the roller coasters work. And the, the last thing I would say, going back about risk-taking and barrier to entry, mm. we don't have to boil the ocean with everything we do. Right, right. So what can we keep? What can we bring forward? There are some assets that we bring. And, and by the way, I can share like, uh, when I joined Google mm. eight years ago, uh, it was the really early days of Google Cloud. Uh, I brought some customer-centric, some processes. Uh, but I remember thinking, you know, I need to understand like, what I don't want to mess up. Right, right. There are a lot of things that are making everything around me so successful. And you need to understand that and you need to keep, keep it going. And one of the things that we've been investing a lot in our uh, cloud runtime strategy mm -hmm. is how can I, the skills and a lot of skills, like actually making processes familiar for what you've been used to doing before, yeah. right? Maybe the technology stack is different, but not everything has to be different. Right, right. Um, can I bring some of my tools? Can I bring my identities? Can I bring whatever mm. it is that worked well for me before? How can I bring it over? Um, because I have a lot of appreciation to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we need to make sure that people can uh, utilize that. Right. Very good. Ken, thank you very much for sharing your stories with us today. Um, we're going to return to the conference now and have uh, a little bit of a rundown of what we've seen this week. So at the beginning of the week, uh, Rob and I made some, not so much predictions, more like here we think the four or five big Did themes. Did you use AI for that? Be. Surprisingly, we actually yes. use, we use we use Google search. <laughs> we ask Google what the Okay, so you did use AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Look at that. Uh, anyway, so we're going to go back through those big themes and actually remind everybody what they were and whether we uh, whether we got them right or not. Yeah.
It's a drum roll, isn't it's it? Drum the roll. And also joining in this is uh, is is one of our mates, um, Steve Webb. Steve, you want to say a quick hello? Yeah, hi everyone on the pod. Stephen Webb, uh, Chief Technology Officer at Capgemini in the UK. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. And I was hoping Tracy was going to join back. She's made a run for it. She's run off. She's literally made a run for just it. Just at the exact <laughs> moment where we're going to introduce her. So we're, anyway, hopefully she'll be hopefully here. Hopefully she's back. Hopefully she'll be back. <laughs> it's like, live, Dave. This is, is the excitement of live, isn't is, it? It is, it is, is live. We're on it the edge. Razor's edge. Our professionalism is really showing through. <laughs> um, right, so uh, Rob. Kick us off. So, theme one, it was AI, but importantly, AI and productivity, and what we would see about the mech suit for the human to help them out. So, duet AI everywhere, and most importantly, and to your great delight, David, yes. the workspaces improvement around G Suite, and uh, it doing all the heavy lifting for you. I, I really welcome that, personally. <laughs> so there was that, and we've, 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 we've seen it, actually, developer performance, the individual performance, mm. just everything, the connectors all around it. Yeah, it's all about making it easier to do things, which is good. And, and I mean, there's just a general, a general gist in that, right, about just embedded AI becoming- Just, just the norm? Just the norm in yeah. tool sets. I think the, uh, the interesting one for me on that one is, that, is, the, is the race, I guess, with Microsoft as well on obviously what's being PA'd, um, you know, announced over the conference mm. versus obviously what Microsoft are doing on, on Copilot. So, um, it's a bit of kudos there to, to Google on, on obviously getting some of this stuff out in, in general release first because obviously there's uh, this commonality isn't there between mm. obviously what, what, what Microsoft and, and Google are doing but I think uh, yeah excellent to see obviously uh, but yeah this in the hands of what 10 million users I believe so uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited about it that. yeah I'm excited about it and I think you were and you were you were saying in, in our conversation there uh, the notion of of literally being able to have your software co-author for you, summarize documentation for you. We were talking on an earlier show that one of the things that we do is we already auto-generate transcripts from for each show that we do, uh, but then we can automate the creation of blog off the back of that, which is just like amazing, right? So you literally do a conversation and then it will, you will be multiple documents. And, and I think that, you know, we really focused about productivity, uh, but what we are also seeing with our customers, and I'm sure it will be, be relevant for the audience, right? If I'm an enterprise and I have a company, like how can it be helpful for me? And I think creating those, imagine those magic moments that we see in workspace and productivity, how can I create it for my customers? Hmm. Hmm. I think that's a good point. I like that magic moments where you realize what the AI can actually do for you. There's a little bit of happiness that goes, look what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the summary of the 30 dB mail that you just don't have a clue what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the next theme was around real-time data. It's obviously a, a close pairing with AI, and there's been big improvements in handling data, especially training models with private data sets and things yes. like that. So that was quite good to see. A lot of enterprises will be very pleased. Um, and they're one and the same the main way. And also, at the same time, a lot of announcements about optimized infrastructure. Yes. So we had your new engine release, uh, which allows us to do AI mob models better, but also the partnership with NVIDIA, allowing you to get hold of the horsepower you need under the cover and that. Uh, Google NVIDIA um, partnership, I'm sure, will be very successful. Yeah, we, I haven't talked a lot about it, but really what we've been investing in is creating the entire stack to be optimized. Yeah. And it's from simple things, you know, of course, having the uh, uh, GPUs, and we also announced TPUs yes. uh, available um, uh, within the infrastructure. Uh, but what kind of storage services do we need? And yeah. how do we do a multi-node inference or multi-node, uh, so which means networking? Uh, there's a lot of things that are re related, 
that really help you to achieve better performance, lower cost, and uh, for those workloads. And, and it's getting the basics right and making sure they're consistent and performance so that you can trust the platform. So I'm using the platform beneath me and it's working well and I know it's going to have the horsepower it needs. The BBC story that you had, that it just worked. Yeah. Right, and, and, and also there is a sustainability upside, I think, to, to, to processing power in that way. Uh, yes, so I'm not the expert sure. uh, for that. I just know that we are using, for example, a, spe a special, like for example, a cooling liquid instead of just water, which is right. uh, better for the environment. And that's, generally speaking, that's an area that Google is investing a lot in. We had a really cool movie of our data centers and our TPUs. Mm. Mm. Um, if you haven't saw it, you should. It's, is it online? It's online. It's yeah. yeah. I think Google data centers are. Uh, for geeks like me, uh -huh. it's like going to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, sorry, I remember the first time I actually saw an Enterprise sound way back in the day, and there was a little moment where I went, oh, this is the actual thing that does that. Yeah. And there's always that urge, like, what will happen if I was... <laughs> Just touch it gently, oh, it's not going to break, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there is deep joy in that sort of thing. Um, the next was we predicted multi-cloud improvement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we weren't disappointed. There's lots of integration and connectors and the ability to connect Google Cloud to other clouds, do it easily, low latency. That's very important. I'll tell you, the most boring thing in IT is IP address management. But if you get it wrong, that's going to yeah, be the bane of your life. So making anything well. like that easy makes IT ops people a lot, lot happier. Well, well we were wondering as well, because you know in the early days of multi-cloud, um, there was that, uh, you know, the fool's gold of let's build all of the platforms to parity and hey, we'll swap workloads around, and yeah, we'll be if it's cheaper one afternoon on here, we'll move it here. And it's just never, it's it, one, parity platforms never seem to work in my opinion, and two, nobody's ever switched a workload really. So, uh, what's your view on that, Hen? So, first of all, I, I agree with your point about that you don't want to optimize for the lower common dominator. Yeah. yeah, I mean, exactly. it just doesn't make sense. No, it makes no if sense. If you want to do digital transformation and innovate. That's right, that's right. Um, what we do see is that, like, probably for those use cases, that you need to provide flexibility, hmm. like, for example, with moving data. And the reality is that we are, most customers are already multi-cloud because of acquisitions, because the teams go and Double do whatever they yes want. Double-click on with a credit card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for different reasons. So what we do see, customers, that they are trying uh, to give flexibility to developers, so use multi-cloud for different use cases and really opt into where they see strength of one cloud or another. And I think that we'll be seeing more on the security side because I think mm. that there are some places where customers are not willing to compromise anything. Yeah, yeah do you mean things like sovereign cloud, things like that? Uh, I think sovereign cloud is, is a great example and that's probably more on the extreme, but just, you know, you want to provide flexibility, but you're not going to compromise. Mm. Yeah. Where your data resides, you're not going to compromise uh, what, fixing vulnerabilities and applying policies. Um, right. So uh, theme four was democratization. Mm. And I think we've seen a bit about that. We've talked about the three generations of IT. And now you can put technology in the hands of the business or getting much closer to the business, which is great because the platform's abstracting for you, which is good. And it, it does feel like it's business ready to go and use this stuff to make things that are exciting. Yeah, we talk a lot about the atomization of IT organizations and, and, and getting the technology as, as raw and as close to, the, close to the business unit as possible. And I love it. I think, you know, we talked before about how to create an incentive 
for the organization to go that way. Yeah. And I think that for me personally, one of the things that always motivates me is to know that my work has an impact. And now, you know, working in IT, working in tech, like you can see the mm. impact. Yeah, you really can. And that's well, exciting. I think it became it, it, it became really crystal clear at the, in the early days of the pandemic, right? Where yes, organizations that might have taken, you know, I, I've worked on one of these back in the day where we were deploying IP telephony over like a 24-month period or something excruciating. And then, of course, within a 48-hour period, you had whole enterprises shifting wholesale into 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 digital platforms and, and digital workloads. And it seems to me that that has woken up decision makers in businesses to think, one, actually, maybe the technology has legitimately changed this time, you know, after a lot of false starts during client server in particular. And then secondly, we can actually do it quickly. Brilliant. You know, mm -hmm. do, do you recognize that, like, in the businesses you're talking to? That you might be talking to different stakeholders all of a sudden. Might not just be the CIO's team. It might be, you know, the like the chief executive's team. So for sure, like you know, in the early days of the pandemic, and many of our customers that have already modernized, mm. they were like, that was an easy transition for us. Right. And right. it wasn't an easy transition. Like a lot, for example, on the retail space, you know, though that really invested in their e-commerce and their online presence, were able to just simply move uh, to that. I agree with you that now it's just becoming um, like a table stake. Mm. Yeah. And the final one uh, was security. Uh, so baked in at the foundation, right in the architecture, especially when you think about AI models, using the data correctly, and all the social things you need to make sure you're considering when you're doing that. Um, and also there was a nice bit around AI with security threat detection as well. So you know my theme, the dashboard is dead, don't bother anymore, let the AI sort it out for you. Mm. Saw that there with security response, uh, which was um, quite cool to see. So yeah, we did see quite a bit on security. Yeah, yeah. That is cool, again, for geeks. <laughs> <laughs> so like what's happening behind the scene there is that right, we took one of the large language models and we trained them on specific data. Uh, and then, you know, things that would have required a lot of labor intense uh, work are now just happening by AI. Yeah. Right, right. Phenomenal, it's, eh? It's amazing, yes. We, it's not, not around security, but we, had, we also had this debate the other day. Uh, it might have even come up on a, one of our earlier shows. I think it was an earlier show. Where we talked about whether, um, like, workflow applications in the age of AI and large language models become less relevant. So I don't want to jump jump on you with that, but what, what, have you ever thought about that? Like because previously, you know, for di for digitizing so, a workflow, but if if you if you've got everything there and you've got natural language access to information, what's the workflow for? I haven't thought. I I will say that about more than ten years ago, I don't know how long it was. Uh, we tried to use uh, with AI to improve workflow. Yeah. Mm. to build a product uh, in that space because right. there is still a lot of knowledge and sometimes you need to, to make it more flexible. I think, you know, when you look at the uh, call centers, it's already changing that experience, For right? Sure. Or something that yeah, would yeah, have yeah. been maybe uh, different. So there will still be a workflow probably behind the scene. The question is how we as people will interact with right. it. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Right. So that was the themes. Uh, if I missed anything massive, then uh, you can let me know. Steve, but, uh, what did you miss? 
So I, I mean, the bits for me that stood out. I, I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed the, the, the first two keynotes. I thought mm-hmm. they were fantastic. I don't know if you guys got along along to that. I think Thomas really faced into, I guess, some of the certainly some of the challenges that I see see in the market from some of our customers around data and IP leakage. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I think there was a there was some good good reassurance reassurance there around obviously um, how Vertex handles that and, and, and how and how that will work. Um, I particularly like the developer keynote as well. Oh. I don't know if you if, if you attended that one, but the song at Apparently the start. Apparently, there was a funny, a funny song at the beginning. Yeah, so yes. you, yeah, Google that one. <laughs> yeah, they are awesome. No yeah. And maybe the one thing I would add, like you talked a lot about the tech. Uh, I think one of the things that I really like in this conference, right, I talked about the energy, but all the customers. Mm. Again, mm. Google Cloud came a long way. And also the partners. Right. Yay. It's amazing. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, something that I hope you also saw. I did. I did think as well in the the, um, the third party integration in in Vertex AI was was cool as well. So obviously integrating, yes. um, obviously the the wider range of large language models, but also then some of the plugins as well. I think I saw Salesforce and and a few others that are now available as well. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, very much a richness uh, for, for developers that's building out there. Yeah, building out exciting. ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool, um, man. So. Thank you for that. Um, just, to, just to sort of round up on the conference, one of the things that has caught me, my eye is the tagline, the, the new way to cloud. Yes. And I've been asking you and a couple of your colleagues like what your perspective is on that, because you can read that in a number of different ways. First of all, I think it's, it's, a, really interesting, it's a really interesting set of words. How do you read it? What goes on in your head when you read that? I'm, as I said before, I'm always optimistic. Mm. And I think that the new way to cloud speaks about probably, in my opinion, two things. One, we talked about before about the barrier to entry. Right. So the new way to cloud, it's, it's not such a big thing. It's not very risky. And the second thing, you know, bringing that technology and the business strategy together, mm. Mm. This is not like a cost optimization exercise right. or something like that. There is value for everyone, every business in moving to the cloud. Um, so that's how I think about it. Well, what a great note to end on. So thank you again for your time today. I know conference schedules are crazy, even at the end of them as we are at the moment. Uh, and it's been great talking to you, a real privilege. So thank you very much. Thank you. Um, now we end every episode of this uh, show by asking our guests what they're excited about doing next. And that could be just want to get home to see my, uh, my uh, partner's face again, or it might be uh, something in your professional life. And uh, so, so, Ken, what are you excited about doing next? So, of course, no judgment, right? No, So, our no conference judgment. is happening also at the end of the summer break. All right, right. I'm a mother of three. Uh, so, I'm really, really looking forward to actually coming back to, like, normal, regular <laughs> routine, like, doing, not doing much. Yeah, and your house hasn't been destroyed during the day. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. It's the amount, of, the amount of washing up during the summer holidays is absolutely crazy. Crazy. Well, look, brilliant to talk to you today. Thanks again for your time. Thank and, you for uh, having me. You know, nearly at the end of the summer holidays. <laughs> nearly there. Nearly. <laughs> cool. Thank you. So uh, a huge thanks to our guest, Ren. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, to our sounding editing wizard, Ben, and the local AV team for all the support they gave us this week. Our producer, Marcel, and of course, to all our listeners. 
We are in LinkedIn and X, Dave Chapman, Shao Ghazal and Rob Kernan. Feel free to connect with us and let us know if you have any ideas for the show. And of course, if you haven't already done so, rate and subscribe to the podcast. We will be back with Schalke to kick off season three of the show on September the 14th. So uh, 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 that's the new launch date. So we will see you in another reality very soon. Thank you.